Welcome to Raised on D&D podcast. Each month, Raised on D&D brings you inspirational interviews with tips and strategies to enrich your family's gaming experience. Your host for Raised on D&D has been a game master for 30 years and father to three gamers. Here is Nick Carterelli. Welcome back, gamers. I'm your host, Nick Cardarelli, and this is Raised on D&D. My next guest is originally from Newcastle, England, and currently lives and works in Harlem, Netherlands. He's the creator of Amazing Tales, a role-playing game for players ages four and up. Please welcome Martin Lloyd. Hi, Martin. Hi, Nick. Great to be here. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, we're so excited to have you. Amazing Tales is a huge role-playing game uh, for parents and their and their younger children, um, and for families, Amazing Tales has over four thousand followers on Facebook alone, um, and you're coming out with the big book of Amazing Tales. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, we're kind of getting to the layout stage now with that, and uh, some parts of it have already been released as uh, sort of standalone chapters people can buy, and uh, the whole thing will be finished in the next few months, hopefully. That's fantastic. We're looking forward to all of that. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Amazing Tales, but first we want to kind of get to know you as a gamer. So Martin, can you take us back, tell us how you were introduced to tabletop role-playing games? How did that uh, love of role-playing games all get started? Sure. I first got into tabletop gaming full stop uh, via Games Workshop, which I think was a pretty standard route for for gamers my age from the UK. My friends and I, we'd only just discovered this amazing shop and, and all these interesting games they had, uh, starting off with the Warhammer tabletop battles. Um, and we got a subscription to the, the White Dwarf in-house magazine they had. And with that, you could get some free stuff with your subscription. And we didn't realize at the time, but they were ditching stock. And... Uh, <laughs> We didn't know what any of this stuff was. Um, so I ended up with a copy of the rules for RuneQuest. I, I don't know what edition it was, possibly second edition, but it had lots of cool pictures and lots of really quite crunchy rules. Um, yes, RuneQuest you know, had all those, all those uh, charts and tables that you had to roll on, right? Lots of charts, lots of tables. Combat was organized by strike ranks, which were about a tenth of a second or something. Yeah, it was, it was you know, heavy. <laughs> um, but for kind of however old I was, about 12-year-old me, um, this was fantastic. You know, I, I just loved the idea of it, the look of it, and I kind of read the what is a role-playing game thing. I was like, right, I've got to try that. So my friends and I, we did try that. And they didn't go very well because although there were rules for everything, there was almost nothing in, in that huge thick rule book about how to run a good role playing game. So nothing about, you know, really basic stuff like make sure there's a plot, don't all play the same kind of character. Um, there wasn't a sample adventure in the books. There, you know, it was all it was all there, but there was none of the soft stuff around it about how to actually play the game was there. So it was. It wasn't that they were uh, hardcore war gamers that were trying out role playing for the first time. It was more of RuneQuest. It didn't have the uh, structure to help the game master construct an adventure. Is that it? 
Exactly, yeah. I mean, there was a quite detailed kind of description of play. So we knew, looking at that, you know, if a fight happens, this is the order of steps you have to follow. But there wasn't anything about, you know, you should probably have a hook for your adventure and you should probably put the encounters in some sort of order. And this would be an appropriate monster for a first level character or a, a starting character to face and that kind of thing. There was none of that. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe it was in other books, <laughs> maybe it wasn't. But uh, since by this point, Games Workshop had stopped selling anything that wasn't Games Workshop, um, there was also no means of getting any further request material. So it was a bit of a false start, but it kind of convinced me that this was a good thing and I should try and do more of it when I got the chance. And it was it was some years before I, I actually blundered my way into an established gaming group who knew what they were doing. And, uh, and yeah, from that point on, I didn't really look back. So amazing. So that first rough start didn't really deter you from role-playing games, um, and you were able to try it years later. So fast forward, you're a father now, right? That's right, yeah. Two children, uh, Lisa and Ruben, aged 11 and 9. Okay. Um, real close uh, to mine, mine are uh, 11, 12, and 14. When did you first introduce them to tabletop role-playing games? Let's see. I think my daughter was four when I first played a game with her, and I think it was the same for my son. Um, Ford kind of struck me as about the right age. And uh, yeah, my daughter and I were sitting on the sofa one day, and it was raining, and we were bored. And so I was like, okay, let's make up a story together. And I got my dice, because you know kids love looking at those uh, interesting gaming dice. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we just kind of went from there. And I made up the simplest system I could think of, um, and, um, yeah, that eventually ended up becoming Amazing Tales. That's incredible. Uh, a rainy day with your four-year-old daughter, and you end up creating something that will turn into a game that is played by families really all around the world uh, on rainy days with their children. That's wonderful. Martin, how, how did it go from uh, casual uh, gaming on the couch with your daughter to creating this amazing, expanding, amazing tail system. Yeah, so for that one, I can uh, I can thank my previous employer. So at the time, I was working for Greenpeace, and one of the benefits of working for Greenpeace is that after uh, ten years in the job, you get a paid sabbatical. So I was entitled to a uh, four month paid sabbatical to go and do whatever I wanted. Wow. And um, so I decided that what I wanted to do was um, try and turn this into a game. But, you know, I wanted to have a project. I wanted to get something done. Um, You know, it wasn't going to be learn a language or something like that. I was going to make my game. So uh, I didn't know quite how ambitious to be at the start. Um, One model I had in my head was Lady Blackbird, which is the sort of, I think it's about four or five page PDF. You can download. It's got two pieces of art. Um, it's been hugely successful. It's a great game. I thought, really? If I can do something like that, that would be pretty cool. But, you know, I started writing and I just started thinking, well, I'm going to need some art, so I should try and find an artist. And as it turned out, one of my colleagues uh, had just become a freelance artist and she was excited about the projects and I was excited about working with her. And that suddenly made everything possible. So from there, it was kind of, okay, I actually have the time. 
and I have enough money available and I have someone who wants to work on this with me so I can make a whole book. Um, so, you know, a lot of a lot of lucky things came together to make that possible. And, uh, and yeah, so I got it all written. We got all the art briefed and kind of the, uh, and then we just had to, uh, had to take the time for the, for the artwork to get finished. That's always the, the bit that takes the longest on these projects. And so about a year after I started my sabbatical, I had the, the first copy in my hands. Wow, that's incredible. And, and so did, uh, did it take you the whole four months to, uh, to write it out and then you just had to wait for the artwork after that? No, no, it was actually quite a bit quicker. I mean, Amazing Tales is only 12,000 words or so. It's, it's quite a short book. Okay. Um, so no, I, I think I spent the first month of the sabbatical just kind of staring at the ceiling, <laughs> um, getting over sort of exhaustion I've accumulated over the previous ten years. Yeah, no, it was it was quite a quick process to write it, and I find that's how I work: is that kind of stuff bounces around in my head, and I think about it, but I don't start. And then eventually, I kind of get to this point where I'm like, right, I know what I'm doing now. Sit down, write it. And then there's lots of revision to do. But the actual process of, of writing Amazing Tales was pretty quick. Less than a month, all in, certainly. Wow. Now, Amazing Tales has grown, though. Now you have expansions. I know during this quarantine, you've released several supplements for people to download off of Drive Through RPG uh, for free. Is that right? That's right. One of the things that when the whole quarantine thing started, it struck me that, you know, Amazing Tales was a good thing for people at this stage that, uh, or, or role playing in general. If you know, if you're stuck in the house all day and you can't leave and you've got to entertain your kids and yourself, um, then a role playing game is great. You know, you can't go outside, but you can go on an adventure, that kind of idea. And when I wrote Amazing Tales, I was very much of the kind of, um, mindset that people should invent their own stories, you know, that, that best way to play this is for people to go out and invent their own stuff. Um, but what I've discovered through feedback is a lot of people either aren't that confident or, or just prefer to play with pre-written things. Yeah, it's easier to plug and play if you've got, uh, if you've got the material, uh, especially the, the confusion is or the misunderstanding is, is that the quarantine has given people more time. Well, uh, that's not entirely true. Um, I know here in the States, the children are, are have been in school online, which has been almost eight hours a day. A lot of uh, families are working from home, so they're on the internet all the time. And so, because of that, there's this this well, you're you're stuck in your house, so there's more time. Uh, for for some families, there isn't. So you releasing these supplements uh, has been wonderful because you can just download it. You have it right there, and you can take it right to the table and run something immediately, which gives the families who don't have the time for all that game master prep work uh, to actually go ahead and start gaming right away. So that was that was fantastic. And you said you you actually received feedback from fans asking you for the supplements. Is that right? Yeah, people were saying, you know, I've got this, but I would like more adventures. Is there pre-written stuff um, to work with? So, so I decided, yeah, this should be, and the sort of the first iteration of those things is the big book of Amazing Tales, which is a, a set of four campaigns, so series of interlinked adventures. But for these, uh, these quarantine one-shots, I kind of, I came up, I, I just told myself, I'm going to write an adventure, it's going to fit on one piece of paper, 
Now that's my target, the first one. And it should use some of the artwork that's in the, the book. So I, I wrote the first one and I liked it and I put it out. And I, I sort of thought, well, you know, we'll see what, what people think. And I think on its first day it had, you know, a few hundred downloads. So I thought, well, that, that went quite well. I'll write the second one. And uh, on it went. And I set myself the target of doing an adventure for every piece of character art in the book. But I didn't tell anybody that because I'm, <laughs> I'm not a great completer finisher. Um, but as it turns out, I did make it through. So, uh, so there are now 21 of these adventures. And uh, they all fit on one piece of paper. And um, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of things in there. There's a procedural dungeon crawler. Um, because I, I wanted to see if I could write one. There's a, there's a traditional dungeon crawl. There's um, an adventure where you all get shrunk and sent to defuse a bomb from the inside. There's uh, there's an adventure for very little kids about a very rainy day uh, that happens by a riverbank and, and what happens to all the animals when there's lots of rain. Um, there's yeah there's there's all kinds of stuff in there. And uh, I had a ton of fun writing them. It was quite exhausting. Um, but yeah, turned out 21 adventures in 21 days. And uh, Wow. 21 very days. And, 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 they're, and they're beautiful. They, you know, they have the, the artwork, like you said, from the book. Um, they have, some of them have maps. I know uh, Forsaken Crypt of the Serpent Master, that has a map. It's a, a beautifully uh, written uh, one pager and then yeah that one was really interesting so I said I, I love the um, I, there's a link in the adventure to the map generator I used and so I set myself a challenge I said I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to the web page and take the first map it gives me and I'm gonna write an adventure <laughs> and so that's how that's how that happened and it it wasn't called uh, you know the crypt of the serpent master or whatever because it generates titles as well Maybe wow, it was, I can't is. remember. But I, I took I took the map and then looked at the structure of it and kind of why are there these rooms that aren't connected to anything and, and there's oh there's a big room over there at the end that's like the boss chamber, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, and just tried to turn it into a, an adventure. Uh, and I like how they have different themes. You know, obviously we have the the uh, pirate theme, my boys are real big into pirates. Um, so sailing the upside down sea was definitely one that we were uh, looking at. We're hoping a game on soon. And then I like how you have a cantina crisis and that's a sci-fi adventure. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're all just kind of, because there's those four settings in the book and then each, each piece of artwork needed an, an adventure. So I covered the four sets of adventures that are in amazing tales. So there's the, the deep dark wood stories, which are really for, for smaller kids mostly. Mm -hmm. And then there's magical kingdoms long ago. And there I kind of split a bit. So about half of them are in this kind of quite traditional dungeons and dragons world, um, with kind of princes and princesses and it, it's all very noble and King Arthur-y. And the other half are a bit more kind of sword and sorcery, weird temples and crazy wizards and that kind of stuff. Then, uh, the pirate adventures were lots of fun. And I just put out, or, or during the middle of all of this, I think I put out part two of the big book of Amazing Tales, which is Captain Cadaver's Treasure, which is a, a big pirate story. And in there are a bunch of random uh, encounter tables. That's uh, it for one for each of the seven pirate seas. And when we were writing those, there was this one prompt um, 
for an encounter, which was just, uh, you know, you're, you're looking over the side of your pirate ship and your reflection waves back to you. And then I thought, oh, well, I, I really liked that one. I thought, I'm just going to take that and I'm going to see if I can make it into a one-page adventure. So that's where Sailing the Upside Down Sea came from. Wow. Yeah, and then people, the last one's the sci-fi ones. Now, for people who are not familiar with Amazing Tales, I, a lot of your fans are listening right now, but a lot of folks who haven't tried Amazing Tales are listening as well. Tell us a little bit about the mechanics and how it's different from other role-playing games that people may have played. Yeah, so the mechanic is singular. I think there is only really one. Uh, and that is that uh, you have a bunch of skills. You know, uh, your four skills each have a different dice assigned to them, from a D12 down to a D6. And if you want to do something, you, you uh, pick the appropriate skill and roll a dice. And if it comes up as a three or more, it worked. Uh, and if it comes up as a one or a two, um, something got worse. So the situation has got worse. And, and that's, that's wonderful. It's very basic, easy for younger players to grasp, and yet still a lot of fun because it incorporates different types of dice for older children. So that's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I've played this with adults, um, and it works just fine. And I certainly for kind of beer and pretzels, let's make up an amazing adventure kind of game. It's great. Now, you also yeah. don't restrict your characters aren't restricted to classes or they're not they're not boxed in with different kinds of like to a specific genre your your son created a very uh interesting character and it's kind of iconic art uh of amazing tales can you can you tell us about the the children's first characters that they made yeah so king tyranno sneak is Rubens, I don't think he was his first character, but certainly his most memorable character, one of his very early ones. Um, king Tyranno Sneak is a robot dinosaur ninja king. Um, <laughs> he might have worked that out from his name. Uh, he has uh, four arms, uh, which he uses to hold his two swords and his two shields. Um, he is very stealthy, and uh, he's very good at fighting, and... Uh, I think he has he has some kind of amazing radar sensors as well. I believe those were part of the deal. Um, and he lives on a planet made of lava and inhabited by other robot dinosaurs. Um, and uh, he uh, he reads Dinosaur Fighting Weekly and he likes drinking oil beer. I think those those are the key things we need to know about King Tyrannosneak. This was Ruben's uh, one of his earlier characters, and he made all that up, right? Yeah, and this is absolutely how I suggest people play the game. Is sit down with your kids and say, you know, what kind of adventure do you want to be in or what kind of hero do you want to be? And maybe the first time, you know, people tend to stick quite closely to things, pictures that are in the book or whatever. But, but kids, then they will tell you, you know, they will get the idea that they can be anything they want. And that is a powerful, powerful proposition for a kid. And they just start thinking of stuff. Um, and they, they will be inspired by whatever happens. A friend of mine said, you know, I was playing with my son the other night, and I guess he's been studying this at school, because he said, Dad, I want to play Amazing Tales, and we're all going to be different kinds of bacteria. <laughs> wow. So, right, okay. You know, this is a seven-year-old coming up with, let's, let's be bacteria, and let's go into a human body or something. And 
I don't know what the, the plan from there was, but it sounded pretty cool. It does. So uh, that is a, an amazing concept. And, you know, and that's the thing. Uh, we talk about on Raised on D&D all the time about how uh, with children learning to game, it's very important to not say no. You can say yes, however, but never to say no. And I, and I think Amazing Tales really emphasizes that with allowing children to come up with character, any kind of character that they want to be and have those, uh, those abilities because it, you're, you're saying yes. And like you said, it is a powerful, powerful tool to be able to tell a children, a child, uh, or any player, create any kind of character you want. So many of us older gamers are used to being put into the on these rails. Uh, you know, you you can't have you can't have a centaur because we're going on a dungeon crawl and he won't fit. You know those kind of things. Um, but Amazing Tales doesn't put that kind of restriction on its players. Yeah, um, I mean, I think a lot of role-playing mechanics are basically ways of squashing down or constraining your creativity. Um, we do a lot of that without really thinking it through. So you know, the big promise of a role-playing game is you can be anything you want, um, but actually, you know, kind of D&D has a whole load of classes but across maybe six or seven classes and six or seven races. Anything you want turns out to mean 49 different things. <laughs> yes. You know? Yep. Uh, and, and, and only, you know, a dozen of those are viable if you're interested in the kind of min-maxing approach or whatever. So, right. You know, I, so I much prefer systems that give people a bit more freedom. Yes. And uh, especially... Um, with it being newer players or younger players. Um, and what I, what I really like is your, your one sheet, 21 adventures in 21 days that you did for families kind of under restraint from this quarantine is if I want a, a robot forearm dinosaur in the pirate adventure, I can, right? I don't have to, I don't have to make a character for that genre. No, 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 not at all. Take take your robot dinosaurs and go looking for pirates. <laughs> that's uh, that's my advice. Good. And the other one that I wanted to talk about is Rescue City, which is your kind of your first responder adventure uh, setting. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So Rescue City um, came about because of some questions I got asked on Facebook. So. A couple of people, at roughly the same time, I got questions about how do I run non-violent games. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I like these role-playing games, but they do all seem to be about fighting. I don't want that for my kids. Uh, how do I get around that? And the, one of these people I wrote back to with a slightly flippant answer, I just said, well, if you don't like fights, don't put any in. Mm -hmm. and, and then that led me to the next kind of thought, which was what should go there instead. So I wrote a few blog posts about different ways of putting encounters together that, that wouldn't require uh, violence. Because also, endless fights gets boring, right? So for anyone, it's good to be able to mix it up. And then that led to a, a, the sort of final thought in the chain, which was what kind of setting would you be able to put all these things together in? that would lead to exciting but non-violent adventures. And so I, I realized that kind of disaster movies, um, this is kind of where you're aiming for, is, or, or 
police movies, all that kind of stuff. So you're looking at these kind of first responder type roles, uh, fire, police, um, and uh, ambulance kind of people and saying, right, these people have really exciting jobs. They do really exciting things every day, but pretty much it doesn't involve violence. And so that became the Rescue City setting, which is all about kind of, you are heroes, you are ordinary people, the kind of hero you might meet walking down the street. And then, you know, go save things. You know, a helicopter's crashed into the skyscraper. Can you go and, and get the people out? Um, there's a hurricane coming. Can you deal with that? Those, there's a hurricane coming and the helicopter's crashed. That's probably the best way to do it. Um, you know, uh, these, these kind of techniques certainly work best if you kind of mash a few encounters together at once to create something really interesting. Um, and that's where Rescue City came from. And, and uh, what I really like about it um, is you have character descriptions for firefighters, for law enforcement, for emergency medical technicians. And so if for Rescue City, um, if your table of players wants to be characters from that setting, you've provided that information in the book. But if I, again, if I want to play a robot dinosaur in Rescue City, I can. That's not. It's not a restriction. I don't have to be a firefighter to uh, save people from the burning building. I can be a robot dinosaur. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and Rescue City is kind of halfway towards being a superhero setting as well. It's, oh, good. It's not. So, it's not. Um, but that is the other thing I get asked for a lot: is will there be a super setting? The answer to which is eventually, I think, it's kind of on the list. Um, but lots of the stuff superheroes deal with is in Rescue City, you know, collapsing buildings or big fires or whatever. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize if they if they visit drivethroughrpg.com and they type in Amazing Tales into the search, not only are they going to see all of these things and and like you like we mentioned earlier you gave away 21 adventures during this quarantine they're free free to download uh can start playing right away but as pdfs rescue city uh is 2.99 so for three dollars i've got a, a setting with some character expansion in there and in the scenarios it's it's fantastic. And you, and you have in there 10 story seeds. Now for folks who are interested in amazing tales, but haven't tried it yet, what are adventure seeds? So an adventure seed is uh, one, it's just one or two sentences, but it is everything you need to start creating an adventure. So uh, rather than give people complete scenarios, um, I give people these little seeds and then work it out together with your kid, you know, the, the whole of the adventure will come together from there. Uh, so not, let me just, I just grab my book here and uh, pick one. Here's one from the Magical Kingdom setting. So the, the first part is, uh, mermaids have invited the prince to an undersea party. Will the heroes accompany him? And the twist is that a mermaid falls in love with the prince and they will not let him go. So the first part of that is, you know, you are your heroes are presumably friends of the prince, or maybe you're his bodyguards, or maybe the king's told you to find out where he goes and spends his time. Um, who knows? And uh, and you eventually end up at this mermaid party, and you can ask your kids, what what do mermaids do at a party? Where do they live? What's it like? How do you get down there? Um, 
one thing that, that my kids and I have established uh, as true in our games is that uh, if you want to meet mermaids, you have to sing for them. So you have to go down to the sea and sing, uh, which means you have to actually sing in the game. Um, so if you you go and stand stand by the sea and sing a song, uh, then hopefully a mermaid will appear. And uh, depending on how well you sing, you might get a happy mermaid or a grumpy one. I like that as the as the game master, you incorporate the children into the description. You ask the players, what does a mermaid party look like? How do we get down there? So not only is the burden of coming up with fantastical ideas alleviated for the game master, but you're getting the players buy-in. When they can contribute to the creation of the setting or the how we get there, it it invests them so much more into the story. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, games mastering is hard work, right? So, yes. so it's good if you can spread it around a bit. And and this is is what I mean about when I said when I first wrote Amazing Tales, I was very much, you know, just do it. You don't need pre-written stuff, just go for it. Um, so you can take one of these seeds and start asking your kids questions and the story will come from there. You know, that's, that's um, I find a very enjoyable way to play. We, we, like to say, we like to say that role-playing games are cooperative storytelling. And I think with Amazing Tales, it really incorporates that more because now the players aren't just being led on a, on a rope through the adventure as much as they are being able to create it and add things to it and things like that. Your example of singing to get the mermaid's um, attention and to get entrance into the mermaid realm, was that something that children came up with as well? Uh, no, that was something I came up with. Um, okay. And I think it was, um, why did I do that? I think possibly they were just being a bit boisterous and I wanted them to focus a little bit. So I was like, okay, oh. sing a song for me now. <laughs> it was, uh, it worked. Um, but yet, you know, that kind of stuff happens all the time. So I, I will just throw stuff out that the kids um, have to have to work out what to do with. It's coming up with puzzles and challenges where I don't know the answer in advance is um, sounds like lazy games mastering, but it makes for really good stuff. So my, my favorite example is uh, the, you know, the characters were in a forest and this kind of shadow monster appeared and attacked them. And uh, my son just said instantly off the top of his head, well, I'm, I, I parry with my shadow. So with the shadow of my sword, I will parry the shadow monster. And uh, I thought I was brilliant. And, and so that was immediately true. You know? um, and if, if you get attacked by shadow monsters in other systems, then it kind of depends what's already written in the rules, mm -hmm. whether that kind of thing works or not. Um, so... But I like the, the freedom to just have stuff occur and happen as you go. And because you didn't have those rails in place, you didn't have to say uh, to Ruben, well, no, that's not how it works because with shadow monsters, you need uh, a, light, yeah, a sword you need with light on it. Or a blessed right. weapon or you something. Were, yeah, no. You were able to just say, well, that not only is that creative and brilliant, but it makes sense. Um, and from and one of the nice things is is when you're when you're gaming with children, 
because they haven't had years of being trained to look in an, at fantasy adventures in a box, um, they're able to go, well, it's a shadow monster and I have a shadow, so I'll parry with my shadow. That That's amazing, but that, that shows you the, the, the perception of how children can look at a scenario and go, this a fantastical scenario, and come to a logical conclusion on how to address it. And again, you, you're not saying no, you're saying, okay, let's do that. That sounds great. Um, so Martin, we wanna talk about the big book of amazing tales. Now it's coming out in the next couple of months. Um, it's got four uh, campaign settings. How, how big is the big book of amazing tales? Um, it's going to be a little bit more than 200 pages, probably, which is uh, about twice the size of the, the basic Amazing Tales book. Um, there's four campaigns in there and a, a few supporting bits. So uh, Rescue City is going to be in there um, because it was funded out of the same Kickstarter. Uh, there's going to be an essay on uh, uh, using role-playing games as therapy for kids, um, written by a therapist I've been working with. And uh, there's going to be an essay on using Amazing Tales in the classroom, which I know is something else that also happens. So those are the kind of the extras. And then the core things, um, there's the Quest of the Dragon Crown, which is already out, which is a, an adventure in the uh, sort of Magical Kingdoms setting. And there's Captain Cadaver's Treasure, which is the pirate adventure. Uh, the next thing that will be out will be the Cryptid Conundrum, which is a... Uh, a science fiction adventure with a lot of focus on codes and code breaking and that kind of stuff. So you can introduce some of that to your kids if they're, if they're old enough. And uh, the last one is going to be called A Dream of Trees, which is the um, deep dark wood setting. Um, and that is both, uh, again, for very little kids, but it also turned out to be um, in some ways the most ambitious uh, campaign of the lot. It'll take place as a child grows up spread out over about 12 years. Um, there's kind of slightly different dimensions and things going on, but hopefully all presented in a way that if you are, if your player is four or five years old, you know, they don't actually need to, to really follow all that stuff. They just need to be fairies at it and it'll all work. <laughs> and if you've got an older player, the kind of eight or nine years old, then they'll find all these extra things to engage with. Well, this is fantastic. We're so excited about the big book. We are so excited about what's going to be coming next. The 21 Adventures in 21 Days, it's there. We're going to be able to start playing those right away in anticipation of the big book of Amazing Tales. Martin, I want to thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so much for Amazing Tales. Um, it's uh, a wonderful, wonderful game. We're, we're so happy that it's expanding and new stuff is coming out all the time for it. I hope that the families who are listening, I know all your fans are listening to, uh, today, but I, I hope that uh, our folks who have heard of Amazing Tales but haven't tried it yet, I hope they're going to run over to Drive Through RPG and get themselves a copy. Thank Please you do. again so much. Thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure.